0: Hey everyone, in this episode I'm joined by my good friend Sawyer and since this is the first podcast we decided to do in person, uh, we recorded a while ago and we had a lot of technical difficulties and we wanted to keep it casual so we went outside. So there may be some things that we cut around uh, not due to content just because of the the sound and the audio being outside and still some of our equipment isn't as perfect as we want it to be, but we're getting there and we hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as we did having it. Enjoy. Hey, man in north carolina having the stogie enjoying some corn whiskey mellow corn it's uh a cheap amazing bottled and bond whiskey and i know you've never had this before so i thought i'd bring it for you to try what do you think
1: i think it's honestly if you'd have told me that you spent about 20 bucks on this i wouldn't have believed you this is phenomenal honestly i i personally like Higher alcohol content, Uh, bourbon. So, bottle and bond is something I typically try and search for. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is—I haven't
0: been able to find this anywhere in North Carolina. It's very, very good. Yeah, so I found this in at Total Wine and More in Wisconsin. It's like I think it's like fourteen dollars at Total Wine and More, and which is just stupid. It's a so it's a hundred proof, four-year-old bourbon. It's eighty percent corn, which is why they can make it so cheap. Yep. Um, But it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't taste like corn. It's it's sweet. Yeah, it is sweet. So, I don't know. I I, I love this. It, it's a it's a good sipping whiskey that I never thought I'd ever have to buy because the the label is it looks like it's a off brand Worcestershire sauce bright yellow label.
1: Yeah, it definitely reminds me of like um like an old granddad. Mm. Honestly, because that's another one that I can get for about twenty bucks a bottle down here, and it's it's gonna be another bottled in bond, um very cheap but also very very good. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean it's. It de- doesn't stack up against some of the the, the nicer bourbons you and I have tried, but for what it is, I will buy many of these bottles. Oh, I'd buy I'd buy a case of these. Yeah, for sure. So, I was curious. I know I know we're we're smoking cigars and having whiskey, but I was curious uh, to know your thoughts on the twenty twenty election and the potential of having a third a third uh, party like Joe Jorgensen, the Libertarian candidate. Does she have a chance? Because you and I know we both we both have had lots of conversations about how both parties, the, the binary choices of, of either left or right have just been horrible. And now we have another chance where it's like lesser of two evils. But Joe Jorgensen has been making some waves on social media. and She's been saying some things that are a little bit more attractive uh, in certain ways. So does she have a shot? Because I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I would hope so. If you're asking if she has a shot, of getting elected
1: personally I, I don't believe she does that's not to say I don't want her to get elected that's just the two-party system I think the amount of money that both parties have that, that gets pumped into election cycles and stuff like that I don't think that a poor independent uh, libertarian is going to is going to have any shot unfortunately
0: yeah it's weird because my what some of my like thoughts of how to change this system is, is like take money out of politics and take like make the election a I don't want to say publicly funded because that wasn't it, that would encourage more taxation but like if there's a way we could do a every politician starts off with a hundred thousand dollars period so it's just equity across the board you decide how you spend that money on the radio ads TV ads Facebook Instagram whatever and that takes all the money in the lobbying out of it and makes it a more fair, and equal access to the debate stage, or it somehow get the DNC and the RNC out of choosing who the moderators are and who the networks are that do the debates, because that's who basically ever since Ross Perot won the like twelve percent vote to upset the the Bush and Clinton race, he got on stage and they hated that. I don't know. I'm cynical. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 very cynical on that as well.
1: I think it's I think a big issue.
0: The big issue is the money here, but
1: just getting trying to outspend either party is out of the question. And I mean, obviously social media makes your ability to get your message out to a larger audience. You're not as dependent on spending money on, you know, commercials and campaign advertisements and stuff like that. So that definitely helps. But you're you're competing against, you know, billionaire, you know, interests and stuff like that. And I think specifically being a libertarian she's going to upset too many people and make too many waves. People that people that are entrenched in the system have put in their time, have put in their money, and aren't willing to throw all of that time and effort that they've put getting to where they're at. They're not willing to throw that away on the whim that, you know, this
0: libertarian candidate is going to give their fair chance. That's one of my least favorite arguments, not, not what you just said, but one of my least favorite arguments is people who say that like, there's no way they can win, and why would you throw away your vote? And it's, to me, it's such a defeatist. Like, if all of those people who said, well, why would you do that because they can't win? If they decided to vote for that person, there would be a, at least a shot in, that, in the primaries, at least, to get them on the debate stage. Um, I just don't know how this country can continue to be a vibrant democracy. And we're, I mean, we're seeing right now it's kind of getting a little, you know, touchy, how our system is working. But how do we get a more like more options on the table for people to vote. It's like, isn't a democracy about, I know we're a representative democracy, but we want more options rather than just these two figureheads that are just spouting whatever lobby groups tell that party's platform to say.
1: Well, I I agree. I think having more options is obviously going to lead to more more people being interested in politics because, I mean, I think South Park does a great job saying, you know, you're, you're choosing between, you know, the lesser of two evils here and it's like I don't I don't believe that you know a giant douche or turd sandwich like that's literally what (laughs) South Park does you know which which one do you want and it's like well I don't want either and you know you can say throw you know I don't believe that throwing you're throwing away your vote voting for a third party I really don't I think you're throwing away your vote if you don't vote but I also don't believe voting should be mandatory either
0: yeah I what would it take what do you think? Like, I feel like they're maybe we're at a point, in my opinion, that this could be the the start of looking at other options because both the party, both both parties, the the, and the Democrats and the, the Republicans and their perspective or respective committees have shown that they have no intention of, of either lowering the deficit, have no intention of lowering the deficit or uh, I mean they they don't work for us and for, for whatever reason whenever a, a candidate comes up who says that you know I, I will do exactly what I say I will do it sounds too good to be true and we just throw cast them aside so it's like is 2020 the year I mean I thought 2016 might be the year because oh my god like if Gary Johnson had not said what is Aleppo yeah so I don't know maybe Maybe 2020 can be the year, not that it happens, but the year that starts us to really consider, you know, how are we going about this? Because the Democrats had all these amazing, I don't want to say amazing because I'm not not—I'm not a Democrat supporter, but they had better options by far than Joe Biden, yet they still put him up. So what, what it's going to take? Is it going to take a change.org uh, petition to get a third party candidate on the stage? I don't know if that's going to work.
1: I think that it's a step in the right direction but i don't believe that any petition is going to get a third party unless it's unless it's massive massive turnout for getting a third party involved is going to get you know another person up on that debate stage for the highest office to hold in america i think that because i guess playing devil's advocate here then is what's the line like what's the threshold you have to cross to get onto that debate stage you know because if you want to include more than just the two-party system Mm. you know are we going to allow vermin supreme to come on to the debate stage because he is you know people are interested in it you know like you want it to be people that are going to take it seriously obviously and not make you know i mean it's hard to say not make a mockery of the system but you want it to be people that are going to be taking stuff seriously so what is the threshold to get a third party on the debate stage because that's how you're going to get people interested in a third party right it's people that are disenfranchised with either the left or the right will see that there is a you know an, another option how do you what what number do you have to reach you know for a petition or what sort of popularity do you have to reach if it's just popularity our celebrities going to start throwing their hat in the ring yeah and i mean we sort of saw that with president trump because he didn't have political experience prior to so is like the trend going to be more towards pushing celebrities into it because they already have like name recognition and stuff like that but they're not really qualified
0: well that was, that was the initial argument when when uh trump had won in 2016 that that the democrats now need to find a candidate that can beat trump at his own game and that's definitely not joe biden joe biden's a politician and he's good at being a politician I'm not saying what he... I'm not saying good as in he's done good things, or I just mean he's good at playing the part and doing doing the the theatrics of it. But like, uh, who was it? Jocko Willink and uh, Joe Rogan had a podcast, and they were talking about The Rock. Mm-hmm. The Rock is, like, beyond popular. He is charismatic. He's patriotic. He He's empathetic. He's got all these great qualities. He's also a great speaker. So put The Rock up against Donald Trump, and What does that do? That would just be, it it becomes almost, it almost makes the system then a game show, rather than actually having qualified people up there. Like, I mean, we saw with the DNC, Tulsi Gabbard was written off right away. But she is, she's a a vet from Afghanistan. She still serves the National Guard, and she has lots of great ideas. And she's willing with those ideas to have a conversation about them, rather than just saying, this is my way or the highway. So for whatever reason, the parties that exist don't want to have difficult conversations or disagreement or dissent in their party. They cast you out. So, and Trump was able to hijack the Republican Party and say, I'm going to say what I want. And they all fell in line. They said, well, you're our, you're our God now. In some ways. Well, I don't know if they
1: necessarily all said you're our God now, but they definitely did.
0: They they did toe the party
1: line and fall in and say, well, he's our candidate for our party. And so we're going to vote for him. (laughs) <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't know it's it's uh it's a difficult because it's a difficult topic to dissect because there are so many elements to it getting a third party you know you can say that for a while bernie sanders because he was an independent you know technically is that is that third party obviously he chose not to however he could have he yeah. could have continued running in the race as an independent and he had enough uh, of a following, you know, to probably make it onto a debate stage, yeah. and he he decided to listen to the Democratic Party and say no, please don't, and he withdrew. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's it's tough. I, I don't know. I, I I feel like it's just so undemocratic and and horrible to like even if I'm going to be like as as consistent as possible, Vermin Supreme, as much of a, as a satirical candidate that he is, if he's popular enough and i guess it's the metric we we have to discuss is how what's the what's the line you draw for how many people like if someone only has like two supporters you know they're not going to get screen time and they also have their, the right to their own platform like he has his own website he has his own social media following so he has enough people talking about him but everyone knows now his brand is you know funny yep and that's part of the reason that joe Jorgensen's kind of facing an uphill battle because they're both libertarians yep and he led the the party for a long time in 2020's primary and then she won but Everyone sees the Libertarian Party as kind of this joke party. Like even Gary Johnson, like he was kind of a gaff machine, and it was like this guy's not serious.
1: Well, I think I think people see the Libertarian Party as sort of the joke party because they're so they're so separated from what's mainstream now in politics. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you talk about some of the stuff they're for. They, you know, they dabble with some. They agree with some the right on some things. They agree with the left on some things. I'm not, that doesn't mean that like they're in the middle or anything like that, but they're so, they're so different mm. that a lot of people just don't take them seriously. And again, having, you know, someone like Vermin Supreme be the face of your party means that people aren't going to take it as seriously.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I know Ross Perot got 12% of the, I don't know, it was the vote or he had 12% in the polls and that got him on the debate stage. That was the threshold. But he was independent. He wasn't libertarian. And he, was, he definitely leaned more Republican than anything. But, you know, he was the, the non-celebrity Trump person, businessman in the 90s. But he, they raised the threshold after he won yeah. that, that space on the debate stage. Yeah, because they don't want
1: to have additional competition. Right. Like, I mean, you got to think of it, whatever party is, whichever party is not, does not have their incumbent running, you had to whoever whoever takes the primary had to fight off numerous political adversaries to you know secure the party's nomination and so right. do you really want to have additional competition afterwards
0: then and that's i guess that's why they that's probably why they changed it yeah and of course as a voter i, I would say yes i want all the competition i want i want ideas to be fleshed out i want your ideas to be challenged but i'm also like i, I, I don't like the the fact that the moderators on. In the debates, whether it be from MSNBC or CBS or Fox or CNN, asking these softball questions to it seemingly they ask softball questions of the candidates that they know they're, they're going to win. Like you have your top the yep. four in the middle. And then, you know, Andrew Yang doesn't get a fair shake. Yep. So what how could we fix that to allow there to be if they're not going to have an independent party? How do we make it so the parties are actually challenged in the campaign rather than just having these. 30 second uh, sound bites
1: well I think honestly with the amount of money that's pumped into politics is it even feasible to have an independent organization moderate debates because I mean when you listen to debates right now the moderators don't require the candidates to even answer the questions Mm. that are asked of them you know and you know To an extent, you know, the time limits aren't enforced or anything like that if you're making, you know, points or anything like that. And if you don't have to answer the question that's asked of you and you can just point fingers and stuff like that, like, what good does that do? That's not a debate anymore. Right. You're you're just – you have airtime and you're trying to push your narrative further and further and further. You're not really making any progress as far as, like, hashing out ideas. And it's not – debates should be, like, a discussion, Mm. but they're not. It's just – I'm better than you because you did X, Y, and Z, and I did A, B, and C, which makes me better. And it's like, well, how does that answer the question? And it, it, you're not required to. So if you had, a, you can't, I, I don't believe it's even feasible to have an independent organization ask questions because of how much is at stake with the amount of money that's involved in winning elections and stuff like that. I don't think that you'd feasibly be able to have a non-corrupt way to ask these politicians questions.
0: Yeah, you'd almost have to have like uh, like two or three different independent parties simultaneously controlling it that have biases. Because, I mean, you're going to have people who are donating money. Yeah. And if you can't restrict private industry from getting don- donations and you know money has power and influence. I don't know. Well, I'm also like not in favor of the, the debate format that we have. Because it's like you ask a question, you say like 17 candidates on one stage.
1: Yeah. And they all spend the first two minutes of their thing saying, I'd like to thank my family and yeah. my party and blah, blah, blah. And thank you all America for, you know, electing me. And right. like, it's,
0: I, I don't agree with like, it's, it's it doesn't fit. Where Do you think, do you think this might be the start of something like, obviously podcasts are taking off and Joe, Joe Rogan has changed the space for long form discussion like that. I could never have seen a three-hour podcast talking to a politician like Tulsi Gabbard or Bernie Sanders that he's had on, uh, or like commentators like Ben Shapiro, who, you know, he's had people on from all walks of life. I've never, I would never thought that my generation would be interested in watching or listening to that long, firm conversation. But they don't, like it's it's, no one cares about the debates anymore. The viewership has been going down significantly. It'll be up this year because Trump versus Biden will be fun to watch. I think it's terrible, but it'll be fun. (laughs)
1: It'll be an interesting debate to watch for sure. However, I mean, who, at the end of the day, you're still only listening to, you know, people who podcast in line with your views. You know, if you are right-leaning, you're going to listen to Ben Shapiro's podcast. And if you're on the left, you're probably not going to listen to his podcast because you don't agree with his views. And at the end of the day, people just want to be, people aren't, looking to have their ideas challenged. They're looking to have people reinforce how good their ideas are. Yep. And that's one of the issues with debates in general where you know, no one wants to be challenged. They just want to be reinforced and, ass- and
0: assured that my beliefs are superior because. Yeah, it's an echo chamber, confirmation bias, all that stuff that you... you we don't like having the difficult conversations. We don't like having an uncomfortable situation. We like feeling... Uh, right humans like to be right yeah so if you have someone around you saying that you're right even if the statistics or the science or any number of things stack up against you you, you know that, that i don't know how to fix that i i think we need better leaders. i hate to call it elected official leaders because they shouldn't be de facto leaders they should be facilitators of a better governed society and a more free society so we can make better decisions but they are the, the examples that, that are at the top. We see them on, on news media all the time. I often argued for, uh, like, you know, we're both from Wisconsin, and we had a recall election with Scott Walker. And that was a massive, massive, you know, divisive thing that tore apart Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And he, he won out. He beat out the recall election by, I think, 51%, so by the skin of his teeth. But, you know, that... that bred a lot of disdain for, you know, the people on the other side of the aisle that everyone thinks that, oh, they just want what they want. So would it be cool for maybe the right and the left? Like if you have state senators, like right now we have in Wisconsin, Tammy Baldwin is a Democrat and you have Ron Johnson, a Republican, and Ron Johnson has fallen in line completely with Donald Trump and Tammy Baldwin has fallen in line completely with the progressive wing of the, of the Democratic Party. So complete opposite of each other. Wouldn't it be cool if since you both work for the state that you were elected to in the Senate, shouldn't you like work together to help Wisconsin and also help the country? Like what what if you went on the news channel together and had a conversation and flesh out your ideas and maybe have a better idea come from that? The problem is their ego is in the way.
1: But politicians', politicians loyalty isn't to their constituents. It's loyal to their party. Right. Because at the end of the day, the political parties are money-making machines. And so if... I mean, yes, you have to say that you're for your constituents, obviously, but who, how often do, how often do politicians not toe the party line? Like you might on, on specific, you know, maybe one or two issues here and there, but if it's a, if it's a clearly divisive issue and, you know, your party boss comes on and says, you're voting this way because it's good for the party. Or we'll pull all your funding in your re-election campaign. Like, mm-hmm. no one wants to lose that power, and so you're going to vote how they tell you to. So that's a major issue in that's, and of itself.
0: That's true. I, I wonder, has that always been the case, you think? Do You think, cause I, like, I, the party power, is, like, partisanship has gotten worse. They use the constituents, like, they, they use their base as their means to sell their own ideas, and they use their own, like, base as their own confirmation bias almost. That's like, you like build the wall was a chant and that became his signature thing. And now his base is on board because they like what he says. So it's not like he's, it's like he's feeding them what he wants them to say and they say it and they like it and it feels good because it's not it's not a polished politician and then he runs with it. So he can, if you look at everything, watch his rallies, it's like, oh, he is working for his base. He is working for his voters. When in reality, he's working for himself. So as is all, I mean, all politicians do that. I just wonder you know, have we got no point in this country when, like, or was there ever a point in this country where maybe the Whigs or the uh, <laughs> the Federalists, they, like, were they for party power or were they truly for a, a better government for society? Well, I mean,
1: with the exception of, you know, Washington getting elected and him leaving office saying, don't have factions, you know, political parties, there were already parties being created because there were the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists or the Democratic Republicans, you know, like. There were already, as long as there's power to grab, mm. you're going to have organizations whose sole goal is to acquire that power. And so you can say all you want that there won't be political parties, you know, that's what Washington hoped, but they were already being developed in the early stages of this country's founding because there's power and we need to acquire it so that I can hook up my friends and their friends can then hook me up. So that I can maintain my power and it just, the cycle continues. You know, I mean, and you say that we're more divisive than ever, but really are we? Because I remember, you know, I remember reading, I can't remember the name of the book all the time of my head, but learning about like yellow journalism and muckrakers and stuff like that at the turn of the century. Like, yeah, that it, it, it existed, mm-hmm. you know, back then too, because at the end of the day, it's it's all about securing that power. So is it is it worse or is it just because of social media it's just thrown in our face more because i really don't know if it's if our the divisiveness in politics is actually really increased i think it's just more well known now because of how you can't turn on your phone and scroll through any social media without seeing political anything
0: yeah i would agree with that because you, you i mean even even the debates that we're having right now about you know the the police and, and racism and all these horrible things going on in the nation, as well as the debate, Every the, the minority now has the largest platform. If you have a, a certain wing of, of, of whatever horribleness, like neo-Nazis online now have a Twitter and they can say whatever they, the alt-right, the Antifa uh, yep. supporters. So we have, we are, it's thrown in our faces a lot more, but I also think that it has more of an impact than just everyday division. Like We're tribal. But I think, I don't know how much the majority of this country is influenced by the day-to-day on Facebook or Twitter. If, you, if you're scrolling through and you see something and you have a meme that isn't vetted, it, it, like, obviously, Facebook and Twitter now are starting to put in some different guidelines and, and different uh, algorithms to help fact-check things, which, I mean, that's a whole other debate of how social media as a private industry should be run. Are they at a level of being a publisher where they have to be accountable for how they censor or do not censor content? Um, is fact-checking censorship? If you just have, if you still have the content, but you also have a, you know, a little note to the bottom. I don't know. It, it's a, it's an interesting concept, but, or are we just so entrenched in how we want each other, to, like, like how we want to feel? We're, we're, we're more worried about likes, and then when it comes down to it, at the ballot box, like we vote like human beings. I don't know. It's. I think we're just tribal. We've always been tribal.
1: Yeah, of course, of course, we're tribal because again like I said before no one is interested in having their opinions challenged your all, your sole focus is having your beliefs reinforced in that you're on the right because no one wants to no one wants to be told you're on the wrong side mm.
0: yeah and now especially with the sides now they're it's very gray right of course of course <laughs> so how do we like is is social media more good or bad for all this? Do we is it is it better a source of information, that we can get more word out to help with different causes and different uh, politicians, different stances, or does it does it embolden others to dig their heels into their their set ways and uh, further themselves in the echo chamber? Like Facebook knows if you like if you like certain things, like you if you like Turning Point USA and Ben Shapiro and with Crowder and all that stuff, you will only have conservatarian type um, newsfeed, right? You'll never see the other side. Yep. Um, if you like a multitude of things, it kind of freaks out and doesn't know what to give you and you get ads for things that you never thought you'd see, which is great. Should maybe that algorithm go away and it should just subject you to all the things in the world or it's tough. Like, I don't want, I don't want there to be regulatory action on making sure the public has knowledge, even though the public has access to knowledge.
1: Well, yeah, that's one of the the oxymorons of, you know, living in this digital age is that we have the entire collective knowledge of humanity at our fingertips. And yet we're, you know, more ignorant than ever because no one wants to take the time. And, you know, I mean, look, ads, ads on YouTube and stuff like that or ads anywhere that you're going to see they don't last more than like four or five seconds because that's our attention span now, because we're, con- we're, we're so bombarded and saturated with so much information all the time that like our brains just are programmed to just block a lot of that out. Just, right. You know, I mean, when I'm, you know, writing a paper for college, I'll have like a podcast going on in the background and, you know, I'll be on my phone, you know, texting a conversation too. Cause I'm trying to like multitask and stuff like that. And so it's, am i even listening to the podcast at that point? right? am i really involved in this conversation that i'm having with other people whether it's work related or if it's uh you know just a couple of buddies and stuff like that and then how how good is my paper going to be because i'm multitasking so much and i mean
0: everyone does that. Mm-hmm. so it's also like you, how can you expect the general population to have the time to deep dive into like researching these candidates? you usually like biden biden's doing so well in the polls because like two things. One, he's Joe Biden. He was he's riding the coattails of Obama because Obama was for worse or for better a standard president. Like there was nothing crazy that happened. There's a lot that I disagree with and there's a lot we can debate about how he acted on certain things, but he wasn't like he wasn't a massive character that was a problem like Richard Nixon or Andrew Johnson. Uh Donald Trump is only that because I think the media has found that they can have a lot higher ratings with like just constantly covering him they i don't think they had that issue with obama um but if you have any any run-of-the-mill person listen to joe biden and just have a couple clips of him saying something you say oh yeah i yearn for the days of obama because now we're all crazy and it's because of trump or uh oh no i don't want biden because i want trump and he he's what is familiar right now yep but if you had just extra 10, 15 minutes every day to read up on another party or what other options there are, because there's more nuance to these issues, like a potential libertarian that has more of a centrist, I agree with some left stuff, I agree with some right stuff because everything's gray. Would they feel more empowered to vote for that person? Or are they just stuck in this pigeonhole of information that isn't as easy to access? I think
1: one of the issues with that, though, is because we're faced with or we we have the perception that we're faced with a lesser of two evils, mm. regardless of who is in office. You know, the past couple of elections, everyone's always just said, "Well, oh, I'm voting for this person because I don't want this person to be elected. That significantly affects third parties ch- chances, because if I'm faced with the lesser of two evils where it's like, I don't mind this person, but I really hate this person. And then this third party comes along and you're like, you know, you're tempted to vote for that third party. Do you run the risk then of if you don't give your vote to the lesser of those two evils, are you giving, are you, you know, people say you're throwing away that vote for the third party, even though that might be the only way out. Right. You know, like it's, it's really, it's, it's really an issue because at the end of the day, if you're, if you're playing the game of lesser of two evils, which the past couple of elections, everyone has kind of been saying that's, that's what it is. Yeah. If you're voting for the lesser two evils, you're still voting for evil. Like that's, that's
0: the big issue. Yeah. And it's like you, 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 you continue to drive this nation into a, a 50, 50 split of, of, you know, people who, I mean, the media, the media does a lot of this for us and it, 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 it portrays everything as terrible or as great. And I think the media has biases both ways, of course um but i mean that's another question too is how do how do we get out of this if if we're only getting information that makes us think that we only have the lesser of two evils to pick from as a viable candidate what what stake does the media have other than ratings like is there a way for us to reform that industry or is that industry going to die off because we're just tired of it what at what point do we realize as, as a country that or as as a people that this is just stupid this is an oligarchy all these Politicians are rich in, in, you know, charging ridiculous speaking fees to go speak at college campuses or at, you know, uh, yep. Wall Street banker meetings or whatever. And yep. then having best-selling novels. It's like, you're not one of the people. No.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the people that have access to enter politics are so are typically so far removed from the average voter, you know, are you even able to hear out their concerns and stuff like that? Are you even able to grasp, you know, the situations that some of these people are involved in and why they're voting the way they are? I mean, not really, you know, I mean, we've entered, It's we haven't, it's not just a new thing because there's always been, you know, cer- certain like political families, dynasties in, you know, American politics, you know, you know, the Kennedys, you have yep. the Bushes, you have the, uh, I'm not gonna say the Obamas because not really, but the Bidens for sure, the Clintons for sure, yep. and now with President Trump as well. Like you have these families that are so entrenched, and everyone in politics in, engages in nepotism of some form or another. Whether it's you know something really small or something as large as like I'm going to appoint my family member as the head of this because I know I can work with this person. I I can see that to an extent, but also are they the most qualified? Are these candidates even interested in getting the most qualified
0: person? I mean, not really. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you're. I know that if I was in a position of power and I had all these responsibilities, I would feel more content having someone who was agreeable with me. But I also don't. Yeah. I also don't think that it's beneficial to have the yes people around you. Like you, you want to have pushback, but you also want to have loyalty, because you know, <laughs> it's. It's, a, it's, a, it's it, a, a fine line to walk. It's a fine line to walk because you, you think that the loyalty sounds like you're a king wanting, you know, your, the people to do your bidding. You know, uh, what? It's, I don't know, it, like po- power corrupts. No matter what, even if you go into politics as Hillary Clinton could have been this amazing, wide-eyed, uh, um, empathetic person who wanted to go into politics to, to help change the world. And I, I'm sure when she was a senator and before that, she had been pushing for some activist things that were very well-intentioned things. I, you know, I don't think Hillary Clinton is, is like the end-all be-all of evil, and neither do I think Trump is, neither do I think is any of our politicians, I mean, with a few exceptions. For the most part, I think this country has done a good job of having people who started out, at least in public life, trying to be better. But then they got to the point where they learned that they had access to getting things done in a way that they wanted to, and it's almost like this this adrenaline trip that you get when you're in charge of something so big. I mean, I've ran meetings before, and it's fun because you're telling people you're you're telling people your opinion and how you think you want things to facilitate, and it, it feels good sometimes. It feels good to be on top. So you of course. times that by a thousand with a bunch of money and the entire nation resting on your shoulders. T- tell me you can't be corrupt from that.
1: Of course, of course.
0: You know the same the same goes for Joe Jorgensen. Like there's no there's no telling what she would do in office. I mean she's saying all these things that sound, in comparison to Biden and Trump, more common sense, and maybe like, I don't know, she has less scandals in her closet that you know we maybe we haven't heard about yet. Yeah. I mean, she hasn't been under the spotlight like Trump and Biden have. But what happens when she gets elected? Does she follow through? Is there is there a, a world where a, a third party would be any different than a Republican or Democrat? Or does it not even matter? Because a Republican or Democrat, I know we talked about this earlier today, you put them in office and they flip-flop on what they said. Yeah. So. Well, I think even if,
1: even if in a hypothetical world, if she did get elected, right? The amount of uh political party entrenchment in the system as a whole, would she even have the ability to institute or implement the changes that she wants to do? because if you know if a Democrat uh, gets elected president but Republicans control the House and the Senate, mm-hmm. how much can that president actually do? Obviously they can you know sign executive orders and stuff like that, but that's not very popular because then it looks like you're just dictating how you want the country to run and it's not a democratic process right? So even if she did get elected, there aren't there aren't many, you know, libertarians in in office of any kind in right. the
0: system as a whole that would back her. That, well, that was that was my argument back in 2016 for Bernie. I, like, I wasn't a Hillary fan. I wasn't a Trump fan. And I, I, I don't agree with the majority of policies that, that Bernie Sanders was was proposing. However, Bernie Sanders, in my opinion, compared to Trump or Hillary, was the better character. Like he had better intentions like he, he didn't seem like this corrupt politician he seemed like even though he's been in congress for 30 plus years he he seemed like he seemed like it was a nicer person to elect like his rhetoric was more empathetic especially now in the wake of trump like what matters more is it policy or is it rhetoric if it, like what if we had four years of bernie sanders who has these you know quasi-socialistic ideas that would never get anything done. He'd never be able to pass anything in Congress because the majority of his own party doesn't agree with him. So would it be better just to have someone in there for four years to say nice things and be nice and old grandpa that helps us get together and heal? Or do we need someone like Trump in a more professional way to really say it like it is? Okay, so if you have, we have
1: our power in government is broken up into three distinct groups, okay? And if you took away, if you say that, you know, you had a, president let's say Bernie did get elected but he didn't get a whole lot of his policies pushed that takes away the power of the presidency okay where's that power go it goes to congress right goes to the you know the elected officials there that just gives them more power and it doesn't really does it actually heal the country in any meaningful way or does it just push the party lines into you know the House and the Senate, and just you maintain the exact same stalemate that you do, and if that's the case, what's your argument to have a president if you just want someone that's like a nice face and doesn't get anything accomplished? Like, are you just the I'm going to have fancy dinners with you know foreign dignitaries and like what
0: What's the point of that then? That's true. I mean, I think it's weird though because we have we cross over with social media, like uh, how Trump is always on Twitter and how how much more amplified his words are because like he has access to talk to the people directly which in some ways it's kind of neat for the uh, an elected official to be able to have access to talk to people directly but also it has some side effects like how he talks about military operations how he talked about uh you know different different things as far as like conspiracy theories he, he, he that that guy that old man who got pushed down by a police officer in i, I don't know where that was uh buffalo new york i think and he cracked his skull on, on the ground, and he started bleeding from his ear. It was—it looked like a terrible situation. Um, and Trump decided to go off the cuff and say, "You know, maybe, uh, maybe this guy was part of a group, and he was uh, antagonistic. Horrible, I mean, yeah, he yeah. was an operative, and it's all a game. It's like, should the president be doing that? Like, I, I'm pretty confident Bernie Sanders wouldn't have done that. I'm pretty confident Hillary wouldn't have done that. But is that how? How much does that matter compared to actual?" policy and stance i don't know like you can't quantify that like if, if we had someone who was a better example I, i've heard a lot of people say like i can't have like my kids can't look up to trump because trump's an asshole okay well you probably shouldn't have them look up to clinton either because she's kind of a, a war hawk and an asshole too she's just nicer about it she's more of a professional when it comes to like speaking to people but is that better do we have i'd rather i'd rather be like aware of the of the the scummery that is afoot. (laughs) Excellent. Yeah. Or I don't know. It's tough because I I don't know. Rhetoric matters to me, but policy might matter more for the long run. It's it's an interesting,
1: that's an interesting discussion, but I don't necessarily know because you can't quantify part of that. If that's even something that is feasible to discuss, honestly, Right. right. I think it's a question, but that's more of a philosophical question. You're gonna jump down a, a, a dozen rabbit holes trying to come to terms with that.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I I, I it's like hindsight. If you if you were to able, able to like pause the constitution for four years, which I do not advocate for. I I I I want the constitution to be followed to a T. But if you look at twenty sixteen, would it not have been healthier for this nation to have just four more years of status quo? like okay obama like him or hate him at least he was yeah that's tough too because people who don't like obama think that he was a huge detriment to the country so politics are very divisive politics are very divisive i just don't think he was as bad as hillary or trump could be or have been
1: let mean, so i think another rabbit hole you can jump down too is if politics are as divisive as they are you know Something everyone was told growing up is, you know, at the dinner table, we're not going to discuss religion, we're not going to discuss politics because it can offend certain people. They never, I've never had a discussion with someone at a table and like changed their mind. It just leads to fighting and like, I've never changed someone's mind talking about it. It's just one of those like, hey, this is my thought on it, and you're, you know, whoever I'm talking to is like, well, this is how I feel about
0: it. Right. And, well, there are a lot of those single-issue voters too. Like you have, you have people who like do not care how bad Trump says things or how much of an asshole he might be or a womanizer. He is a pro-life Republican, and therefore he, they will vote for him no matter what. Yep. That is their their ride-or-die issue. Yep. Which you know, it's and funny. I find it funny with uh with gun advocates and Second Amendment proponents. It's like, you know, if that's your ride-or-die issue, now's your chance because Joe Jorgensen is like zero regulations.
1: Yeah, abolish
0: <laughs> abolish the ATF completely. Abolish the ATF completely. And we can have a debate about how much nuance is involved with that. You know, does abolish the ATF really mean like zero ATF? Does the president I'm not talking
1: like officially, but I'm talking about like realistically, does a president have the ability to defund a government organization like that? I'm, I'm yeah. is it within their power? Sure.
0: Yeah.
1: Is that a feasible task for them
0: no yeah wait, what do you what do you do in your first hundred days you just say uh department of education is now at zero dollars yeah like, there are a lot of ramifications for that
1: exactly that's and that's that's what i'm trying to get at is that the the amount of waves that you're going to make by saying something like that you know you're talking about putting people out of work you're talking about you know the, the potential creation of new jobs mm-hmm. as well like Okay, so if you say you're going to abolish the ATF, like, are we going to get rid of like background checks completely uh, when people buy guns? Are we going to allow people to own nuclear weapons and you know <laughs> aircraft carriers that so they can afford it and stuff like that? Are we going to like, where there are too many ramifications for big ticket like promises that she's making like that to just say that this is going to happen? You know, because Trump had said when he got elected that he was going to build a wall and he was going to drain the swamp and he was going to do X, Y, and Z. And I know that in the last election, Hillary was saying she was going to do a, B and C as well. Like what is truly within your power in four years to actually get accomplished?
0: You know? Yeah. Especially if you don't have a Congress that's on your side.
1: Yeah. And even if you do have the Congress on your side, you know, like Trump made a whole lot of waves when he got elected. And when he first took office, not all of his party backed all of his ideas. So, right. if you don't even have your party behind you, you're not able to accomplish anything. And that makes you look like a poor president because you're not able to get anything accomplished.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that. That's one thing that I wish we focused more on as, as far as merits go. Someone who's willing to have I I don't know, constant debate and welcomes dissent. Someone who isn't there to push their own ideas, but there to facilitate in a leadership style. Like you, you don't have someone on a soccer team, who's a captain of a soccer team. You don't tell them, you know, we are only going to do this. You have a discussion with your, you know, your forwards and your, your goalies and whatnot on, 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 on what what they feel is the best plan after playing this first quarter. Yep. Because uh, football might, might be a better example because, you know, the coach, He's in charge. He has a final say, of course, but the coach is going to listen to his players and especially the quarterback because they see what's going on with the defense of, of the other team. So you have to have this conversation and be a part of this. And I don't think we've had that with, we didn't really have that with Obama either. He spoke like a leader. He, he had that X factor, like he oozed presidential quality. But Kennedy led, Kennedy had this, like he had some goals and he created a coalition of people around him and, Obviously we can go down the conspiracy hole and the CIA didn't like it (laughs) and they (laughs) killed Kennedy. No, who knows? But uh, Trump is more about like my way or the highway. This is my, it's my credit is mine. Everything's mine. And then all of a sudden if something goes wrong, then he blames it on the people that he, he, uh, he had put in that position. Yep. And that's not what a leader does. So how do we get to the point of electing an actual leader who's going to facilitate a conversation about these, these things like healthcare, healthcare is a massive quagmire of issues. And for Bernie Sanders to say healthcare for all, and for for a Republican to say, uh, no, only free market privatization because it's better. Well, are there no happy mediums there? Are we not gonna sit at the table and discuss this? And also, why is that discussion not being had publicly? Like, why is it all closed door stuff where then after you're out of that meeting, you have little whispers from people who were like staff members who are yeah, interns leaks, leaks to the
1: public, yeah, leaks to the
0: public that oh it was very contentious and then Pelosi comes out and says you know oh well the president didn't want to hear anything that I said and and then the president says something opposite what she said. Well, what? How is that even conducive? We're not getting anything done. You just you just want what you want because it sounds good and it's electability. If you are for healthcare for all, people are gonna like that even though you never get it.
1: You talk about healthcare. I'm very much of the mindset that you can have healthcare that is affordable, you can have healthcare that is high quality, mm-hmm. or you can have healthcare that is universal. And you can pick two of those three, but you can't have all three because if you have it that is universal and high quality, it is going to be ungodly expensive right. for the country. And if you have something that is extremely expensive and high quality, it's not going to be universal. Right. So you know, how do you... I mean, part of what what Bernie Sanders was was promising with socialized health care for everyone is everyone would get it and it would be good and it wouldn't be that expensive. And then, you know, he was asked multiple times during the primaries and in previous election cycles as well, how are you going to pay for it? Well, these moderators asked him these questions time and time again. And, you know, people conducted interviews with him and during like just questioning from like, you know, the media in general he never gave an answer or he never gave a price tag as well and that's something that the public needs to be made aware of because if you're going to raise my taxes you know x number of percentage points higher to facilitate that that's something that people should be made aware of and so how how do you slice it because i mean i know that in the military like you can read you can just google search like va healthcare and most people that are that operate under the va system don't like it because it becomes you know people wait excessively long periods of time here in America for health care that they need but it's free so you know it's one of those questions you know there's so many like there's the VA you can google just corruption in general yeah. and you can find that you can just google how dissatisfied people are with it and you know that's that's a big issue you know like if you have if you want health care for
0: everyone is it going to be like really crappy health care you know well it, you can also like the the philosophical the philosophical argument on the left is that health care is a right and as beautiful as that sounds like we should give everyone access to health care which i i think people deserve access to getting help but is it to r- what quality to what quality and 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 how much of a a right do you have to someone else's public good like a doctor doesn't have to do anything for you
1: and well not only that but if you want it to be universal and you want it to be affordable for the average person like how long are doctors in medical school before they get to a level where they can assist people in a meaningful way you know like people spend you know over 12 years going to like very expensive colleges getting these degrees and stuff like that and then to just turn around and say well you have to work first or you have to charge significantly less right even though you sacrificed 12 years of your life however many you know countless hours studying and stuff like that to be effective enough to do your job successfully right to then have the public turn around and be like make it cheaper like that's is that fair to them
0: no and i i think that's another thing too is that people assume that doctors are in it like not for the money and like as much as I would prefer there to be doctors and police officers and and people who are in the military and people who are in public services, firefighters, teachers, to be in their profession um, solely for providing uh, yeah, a better society, they also have lives. They need yeah. compensation for what they do. Exactly. And I if you if you just
1: spent twelve years of your life or more sacrificing you know your family gets put on hold your social life gets put on hold you know to then just how do you compensate them if not financially right you know because at the end of the day you can you can hope that people in the medical field are doing it for the right reasons but at the other day some people are doing it for the money too like yeah. I'm going to sacrifice it like it's a, it's a business transaction you know I'm going to give you X number of years of my life training and in return
0: you will give me X number of dollars to do my job. So, there are a lot of things, a lot of bloat in the healthcare system that we can, you know, get rid of. Uh, uh, Trump had just signed that order that is, it makes it mandatory for hospitals and and medical providers to disclose and be transparent about the uh, like an itemized receipt of what you're actually paying for. Yeah, and like, you know, gauze, gauze costs forty dollars a roll, but really it costs like a couple bucks. For the hospital to buy it to buy it and then you know you have to they have to replace it every six months because it has to be sterile quote unquote like maybe does that really need to be could it be eight months does that like there are things we can look at to make health care cheaper but i don't know if it if it's good to you know withhold nuance in the conversation for bernie sanders to come out and say it doesn't matter health care for all well how are you going to do that well it doesn't matter
1: or is that the public's fault for not being not being willing to put in the time to look into that individually and make an their own in, educated and individual opinions on that because like I said before our our attention spans are incredibly short you know <laughs> like if i'm watching if i'm watching a video and there's an ad like i'm obviously going to zone out of the ad but then i'm going to like skip to the exact point in the video that i'm looking for and then just watch that part which has led a lot of people to just especially i mean politicians especially to just going for sound bites. You know, you're going to say your couple of buzzwords yep. so that people hear that and are like, cool, that's what I want. But people aren't concerned with how you get to what you want. And that's a big issue, I think, because, like you said, if you have these massive, like, you can't, it, there gets to be a point where the topic you're talking about is too big to be boiled down into just a sound bite. Right. Ediqui- or eloquently, sorry. Mm-hmm. Like you can't it's it's not feasible, you know? Like there are too many ramifications. There's too many moving parts to just, you know, and honestly, if you were to to try and explain like if I do if I do this, a b c are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if I do, you know, like people aren't people aren't interested in second and third order effects or they are, but they're not willing to like go down every rabbit hole to discuss it.
0: Yeah. I, it's it's weird because you, like, the power dynamic at play is that you know we we assume that experts who have money and who have the the, the political power and the capital to to uh, to be the experts on what they're talking about. We then assume that you know okay, well then I don't need to research this. They they we we've heard what the news has to say. The news then decipher what's going on. Uh, you'll see a couple of memes on Facebook or Twitter about. Uh, you know, whatever. And we think that that's enough nuance for us that, okay, well we're good. Even though there are thousands of studies on immigration on both sides that make pretty compelling arguments. And there's also a lot of in the middle, like happy medium type discussions to be had. Like, should we be locking children up in cages at at the border? Even that though, like locking kids up in cages, like there's nuance to that. The situation is not cut and dry. Like it's not just like, we're not just throwing kids in cages and leaving them to die. But we're also not, like, treating them like they should be. So everything's everything's at level 10. I fear we've gotten to a place where politicians know that they can say things that are, like, instant gratification. The public wants something fixed tomorrow, when in reality, education reform, police reform, healthcare reform has to happen over 30 years. I mean, education reform for me, you know, is a very dear topic. But part of that is us, like, respecting our teachers as... The amazing contributors to the public good that they are, but they get paid thirty-five thousand a year, with limited benefits. So, does our culture have to shift? And you can't legislate culture shift. You have to legislate, you know, a a, a system that allows for that atmosphere to grow. So respecting, uh, your teachers, respecting your healthcare professionals. COVID nineteen might have helped us uh, respect our healthcare professionals in a little bit more of a different light. Yeah
1: but same for teachers as well because now parents are at home with their kids and you know when when i was i think when our generation was in grade school and we would do parent-teacher conferences and the teacher would say hey your child is disrespectful in class they talk too much they're not focused and stuff like that parents would be like well it's my kid's fault Mm. but nowadays aren't people people are tending to blame the teachers much more Mm -hmm. for that. And I feel like parents are now getting a sort of dose of, hey, dealing with my kids full time, especially if you add like, you know, 30, 40, 50 other kids to a classroom and saying, mingle together, but all pay attention to the teacher. Like, is that a feasible demand that you're placing on teachers who are making as little as they are?
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how education specifically, like COVID nineteen, showed how we can like embrace homeschooling and virtual learning, and you know Zoom, and, and it becomes whose whose job is it to get that, to hunt down that kid to get on the computer at exactly ten a.m. on a Zoom chat. Yep. If that family has three kids but only one computer. Yep. It's th- those intricacies and complexities of how these these things these broadband issues are discussed at the the highest order of politics, I think that's the bigger issue. I'd love to have a third party up there, a fourth party, fifth party, have a good debate. But I think we also have to shift our culture to appreciate local elections more. Like, I don't know if you can name your local older person. I can't name any older people that I know. Uh, the city council members, the mayor, I mean, those people have more effect on your day-to-day life. But for whatever reason, we have shifted our, our desire for a like a celebrity status type politician. Like Trump, Trump satisfies that. He, he's fun to watch, love him or hate him. He's a comedian. And a lot of times, like he, he says things that it's like you wish politicians would say in certain moments. Like he, he calls out the media in certain things, sometimes in a way that isn't warranted. And sometimes in a way it's like, yeah, like screw CNN or screw Fox. Yeah. But, you know, we, we put too much capital and, and power in, in the presidency and the federal government we need to focus our our efforts and our, our 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 due diligence on our local officials like the people who run your block party the neighborhood watch the local police department the local sheriff election the local judge election like those those are what matter for your day to day and i don't know how we get there when everything is now just social media and and news media everything's about ratings and everything's just pumped up
1: well i think i think you you briefly touched on it in what you just said there are we putting do we have, are our expectations too high for one person, the president, to like adequately and properly address every issue? Because if you're talking about, okay, so we want education reform in this country, okay, so there's a, a thousand moving pieces towards education if you want to reform it, okay, and you want the president to be. Knowledgeable enough and well versed enough to adequately make a decision on that, that in of itself is you know people spend lifetimes figuring out where they stand on that, and you expect someone to just make a decision on that, and that's just one topic. That's just education. You also want to fix healthcare. You want to do international relations and stuff like that. Okay, well there's you know almost two hundred countries in the world. And you expect the president to make, you know, decent, you know, decent decisions on all 200 countries, all the nuances that are at play there, all the moving pieces for healthcare, all the moving pieces for education, all the moving pieces for our economy and stuff. Like, are you almost do we as a country expect our elected officials to be superhuman? Because at the end of the day. I'm sure that there are tons of politicians that it's probably not the big names who have figured out how to play the game. It's probably the it's probably the, you know, the small politicians that, you know, become elected as senators or congressmen and that actually do enter politics to try and change things, but don't get the time of day because you know, someone who knows how to play the game and is entrenched in it set, you know, smears you with a single like, oh well you didn't support this, so we're not gonna help you in the next election. How how fair is it, you know, that if you make one mistake or you disagree with someone on one topic, is that fair then to just cast aside everything else that they're trying to do for their constituents? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like are you looking at big picture or are you looking at, you know, very individualistic? Like what are you doing for me? Cause in the grand scheme of things, does what the president say affect me every decision he makes? Probably not. Honestly, right. pre- every decision the president makes does not affect me. There are obviously ways that he does affect me, you know, pretty significantly, whether, you know, a president wants to raise tax. I'm not talking about just Trump's position, like the office of the presidency. Like if you want to raise taxes, okay, that's going to affect me because that means that I'm going to have less income to spend on certain things that I want. You know, I smoke a lot of cigars and I drink a lot of, uh, scotches and bourbons. Yeah, They're not cheap. <laughs> so if you raise my taxes, that's going to affect me significantly because I'm not going to be able to provide for myself, a family and, you know, live the lifestyle that I'm comfortable living. How, how do you factor in everything there? You know, like, yeah, I, it, it's, politicians at the end of the day are humans too they're not superhuman no but we we elevate them to a level because they affect our lives as much as they do we expect them to be superhuman and that's not fair Hmm. you know you talked about the politician who didn't know where aleppo was And at the end of the day like you know if if you were elected you if you were an elected official and someone you know asked you a question about a specific conflict that's going on and we have americans american soldiers uh all over the country, if something happens like you know that day, and a reporter asks you a question on that topic that day, how well versed are you going to be? Like, will you be able to you know properly discuss that with all the nuances involved in it? Because it's not no topic that reaches that level is a a yes or a no, and it's it, everything's in shades of gray. It's not cut and dry. So, yeah, it, like
0: that that should not have sunk his campaign and you know gary johnson but it did it did it, oh it totally, it totally did it totally did. and became a meme and that's a part of the social media is that you they take advantage of this like how we can make fun of you now rick perry did that in uh, 2016 he had he had proposed cutting i think five federal agencies uh department of energy the department of uh, or uh, the epa and department of education or whatever and like, that alone that comment lacks nuance but he was asked about it on a debate stage and he was like uh department of energy the de- uh department of uh oh let's see here and he was like flipping through his notes on the on the on the podium uh i don't know oops like rick perry said oops on live tv on debate stage yeah now he's human he's human and he he's he's human and he's under the spotlight on those studio lights on the live studio or uh, live audience and watching uh, people watching across the country you're gonna have some nerves of course. And you're allowed to have the nerves. I, I would rather have someone who has who has actual human, like, emotion.
1: Yeah, I mean, how, how many people are afraid to talk publicly about certain things, even with, like, people they're comfortable discussing topics around, you know? Right. To expect someone to be able to comfortably discuss issues that affect, you know, millions of people. Like, he made a mistake so what? Like when I know when I'm at work and I have meetings and stuff like that, I take tons of notes and I frequently reference those notes so that I can, you know, properly talk about what I'm trying to discuss. There's nothing wrong with that. If you make a mistake, like again, we hold these people to be superhuman and that's not fair to those politicians. Not at all. Truthfully. But it's so much easier than to just make a meme of it and laugh it off and just be like, well, he's not getting elected again. Okay. Well, if he's been in office, he knows what he's doing for the most part because in order to get elected you know for the most part there are exceptions obviously and you know there are outcries from a specific group of people who will elect you know a politician based off whatever they want and they might not be the most qualified for the job but it's who they elect; it's who the constituents elect and so that's who it is how do you where's the line drawn for like how many mistakes do you allow someone to make? Because I'd hope that if I were a politician, I'd hope my constituents would allow me to make a number of mistakes because I'm human at the end of the day. Right. You know? Well, and that's, I think that's important At, at that level though. How many mistakes you can't afford to make many mistakes because, you know, if, especially if you're in the house, like, You're up for re-election every two years, which means that after your first year, like you're running your your next campaign off what you were able to accomplish in one year. How much can you accomplish in one year? You know, right? There's not a ton that you can do, especially because of how big
0: government is. You're just one voice, and this this is a whole other topic that we don't have to go into. But that that's one of my concerns with the the discussion that again is lacking the nuance and the the caveats of term limits on on senators and house members it's like they can continuously run and run and run and run and serve for 40 years and like if we slap on term limits you know how how will that affect the their want to do more work rather than just focus on re-election if you have a cutoff yeah and maybe it would we don't know
1: yeah but also like how long does it take because at the end of the day. Politics is all human interactions, right? It's it's one human dealing with another human, you know, to, to have debates, to have discussions. How long does it take to build rapport with someone to actually see something become, you know, come to fruition, right. you know? If it takes years to build, like, meaningful rapport, you know, like, do you want to impose term limits? Because if you do impose term limits, then that person who spent, you know, the first two to four years of their, you know, political career building that rapport, do you want to then take that away from them and be like, well, you had your chance for moving on to someone else? Like Yeah. I'm not I'm not that's not me saying I'm for or against term limits imposed on someone. That's just me saying like that's just another rabbit hole to go down is it's it's human interactions having these discussions. It's you proving to another person that you're a person and like politics aside, like I am trying to actually help the vast majority of people i'm just coming at it from a different point of view and i want you to hear me out on that so it's yeah. it's such a difficult task i'm gonna have a i think this is like my, my fourth glass do you mind yeah please please
0: or we're, we're trying the woodenville what is that is it is it from kentucky
1: uh no this is a uh, washington state oh i've actually been to this distillery it's very nice
0: nice yeah it's, it's actually nice it's it's uh it's it's a it's a more uh refined and more expensive bourbon than that mellow corn but uh i like it it's a it's a good basic bourbon it's nothing fancy
1: it's very it's a caramely
0: bourbon it's a caramely it's, bourbon which yeah. is you know your
1: benchmark for bourbons it's right. it's i think it's delicious it's it's amazing yeah i have one of their uh i believe i bought one of their shirts upstairs i have i have so many i go to distilleries a lot because i i think that the science behind that's super cool so i i like to
0: Tour them and stuff like that, and see how it works. Well, since starting the podcast, I, obviously I I love whiskey, but starting this, it's like I've, I've been doing more of a deep dive into understanding the complexity of, of whiskey. Yeah, and I actually I wrote an op-ed um for our blog just to, to talk about like the reason why I like whiskey is because it, it, it's so relatable to all the things that we're discussing, right? Like whiskey isn't just whiskey; it's not just alcohol. There is more to it. There's a there's a forty thousand different variables that go into distilling whiskey, and they are all across the country different types of whiskey and across the, the world different types of whiskey scotch and, and irish whiskey included. japanese whiskey japanese whiskey which i have not ventured into as much as i'd like to Ooh,
1: you're you're missing a very big demographic there. <laughs> I, know, I enjoy I know. it quite a bit
0: um so i uh, uh case in point i mean I, I i think the federal government was designed by the framers to be less intrusive on everyday life than local elections like they want we're the united states for a reason we're not we're not the the empire of america we we are a a bunch of states that have our own local governments that we have to focus more on yeah governor elections we kind of do but like local elections we have no stake in because we don't care a lot of people don't even turn out to vote for their city council i think the vote like like the average is like 15 or 20 percent turnout that i mean that was and that's a a good turnout that's a good that's a good turnout it's bad that that's a good turnout oh
1: i i agree i agree i'm just saying like <laughs> yeah. number looking at numbers that's considered a good turnout
0: right but the federal election comes up and you know now we're, we're having this conversation about how a third party candidate might be able to come in and maybe give a little bit more of an option and more uh nuance to the debate but does that can that happen can that work and i don't know i i i wish we had less uh like shooting from the hip politics off the cuff politics i want i want more of a uh engaging facilitatory facilitatory type leadership at the top that allows the state and local governments to uh operate in their best atmosphere
1: at the end of the day again it's it's humans right so how much and i think at the end of the day the only people who can answer that question are the supreme court justices themselves but how can you how much does your personal opinion affect your decision? You know, that's a that's a big like uh, integrity uh, integrity thing. Yeah. Because if you say like if you say like eight you know t- thirty years ago, forty years ago that uh, LGBT cases wouldn't have been taken on by the Supreme Court, or they wouldn't have been ruled the same, like. That kind of shows that it is political, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's a that's a hot button issue right now. Mm -hmm. And so that means then that the Supreme Court is taking politics in or at least they're taking public opinion in. Mm -hmm. And I guess a really philosophical question is, are you supposed to take public opinion into interpreting the Constitution? Is the Constitution a living, breathing, changing document or is it more of a. Is it more of a this is how people hundreds of years ago wanted the country we ran and we're going to stick to that you know that's a whole other that's that's a series of podcasts you know people dedicate
0: their their whole lives to that that question there there's an interesting thought with the Supreme Court and uh Pete Pete Buttigieg uh, had had been a proponent of it and I don't know if I agree with it I actually talked to one of my one of the lawyers at our work uh about this this idea of how to depoliticize the Supreme Court, and it's it's take it's have uh, fifteen justices. Now this was this was, uh Buddha judges' idea is, is to have five 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 elected uh, or appointed judges from the the GOP, five appointed judges from the Democrats, and then five who are uh, appointed by the judge the, the other ten judges themselves. The judges decide. So then you have fifteen judges that are. You have to have an odd number for the court. Yeah. Um, So there's no tie. There's a tiebreaker. But uh, but would that not mean that there's basically seven
1: right wing and seven left wing, and then that one split down the middle? Is that I mean that kind of seems
0: like that's what it would become. So he he was referencing a Yale law a Yale law research paper that was like or a law review that was explaining how this like judges are supposed to be these impartial uh, above politics figures, which. I would argue they probably are a little bit of more about politics than elected officials, but they also they're like you said they're human. I I would almost want to amend it to not to to keep it at nine, but you can do three, three, and three, and you, like. But I also I, I don't want to embolden the fact that like the party lines.
1: But well, yeah, but then wouldn't it become four, four, and one?
0: Right, because you those yeah. those three would appoint what they would prefer exactly, and anyone
1: who is anyone who is keen enough to foresee the future you know and what the next couple of big topics are going to become would you not then be able to like say okay well we don't want this judge because the next big case that we think we're going to see is X and he doesn't agree with us on X we're not going to take him even though he might be the right guy we'll go with you know person Y because the next couple of cases he's more in line with our you know like It's it's humans at the end of the day.
0: I'm interested to see what happens with uh, with Ginsburg. Um, obviously, with with the with 2020 election coming up, and Ginsburg being the oldest and the, the most seemingly at risk for health issues. I mean, she's been in and out of the hospital for lots of stuff. She survived pancreatic cancer, I think, now three times. Good for her. Yeah, and she she's considered a liberal judge, and she's uh mm-hmm. she's not really an originalist. But her and Scalia, the late late. Antonin Scalia, he was an originalist, and he was a quote-unquote conservative judge, but he also ruled in favor of things that were also not conservative opinions because he he looked at the document for what it was written for, yep. and Ginsburg believes it's a living document that, that, that morphs over time. So those two different philosophies with the court, and the fact that they were like best friends, like they went to the opera together and did I love that story that's awesome
1: that's awesome because that means that people can put their political differences aside and be friends yeah because I mean how many the average person are they typically friends with people outside of their political party or not right you know typically not Uh honestly because you want to stick
0: within your tribe within your community that's a big deal honestly you, you want well, like I said earlier, you want you want to feel like you are right. yeah that you 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 feel like you surround yourself with people who you agree with not just in politics but like like I surround myself with people who enjoy whiskey. people <laughs> people who enjoy bowling, people yeah. who enjoy basketball. like I, I like watching football so we're gonna watch football together. I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be keen to being friends with someone who only likes uh, badminton or yeah, because oh well, yeah
1: because then you don't have tons to talk about right.
0: right. It's it's just you know what you have in common, and obviously politics could be something we have common we have in common. We can discuss the philosophy of politics, but I, I think that type of friendship and that type of camaraderie at the, the highest level of government, especially the court being this yeah. renowned sector of the government. It's yeah, it's
1: supposed to be the impartial sector. Yeah. But is it because you just said, like, yeah. hey, he these are typically conservative and these are typically liberal, like,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, their voting record shows that they they usually tend to 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 write uh opinions or dissents on you know things that their uh their presidents, yep. whether they're Republican yeah. or Democrat, would be in favor of. Um, but I, I think what I'm interested in to see what happens with Ginsburg is because I mean, she is. And she is a a monument of a person. I mean, she is she is an amazing uh, leader. As far as, I mean, she she was one of the first women in her law school to graduate in the top of her class. And I don't know if she was first, but she was she was up there. Um, and she she broke a lot of gender barriers with, with what she did. And uh, alongside alongside Sandra Day O'Connor, she was I think she was the second woman on the court. And now, now of course, Sotomayor and Kagan are on the court, and which is amazing. Uh, but Ginsburg is old, and there's no denying that. And, and she had has been on camera falling asleep at the State of the Union, and and having issues with her health and whatnot. But I, I hope that she's not hanging on just because she doesn't want Trump to replace her. Because how bad would it be optically if Biden wins in 2020,
1: and she then immediately withdraws her?
0: Yeah, immediately yeah. resigns because she's too yep. old, and then gives Biden that nomination. <sighs> that, 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 in my opinion, politicizes the court. Yeah, of course. So, how do we square that? Yeah, like, I, I would hope, I would hope that Trump and and Trump, in his defense, has done a good job. Neil Gorsuch is an incredible scholar. I, I like Neil Gorsuch a lot. I actually am about to finish his audiobook, his uh, his own biography about like his yeah. life and his upbringing in the court. I, I, I suggest... What's it called? Uh, I'd have to look it up. Okay. Um, you
1: have to send that to me. Though. I will send it to Tell you. I, text I'll, it to me because I'd like to read that. That's interesting.
0: Link in the description. There we go. <laughs> I'm, I'm plugging Neil Gorsuch's book. It, it's really good. Um, he, he discusses his, his philosophy of the court and how it was shaped and how he, he came through the, the the local circuit courts and the district circuit district courts of, of the United States. So it was it was a narrow ruling that said that, that basically this private industry, this private cake baker could deny uh a a gay person's request for a gay wedding cake. yeah and uh that was like if you read the text of that uh opinion it's based on that case specifically yeah everything's case by case and everyone looks at that and says oh my god the supreme court hates gays
1: yeah like so here's without trying to get too into the weeds in politics here because I don't really like trying to get too political one way or the other. Personally, I thought that was a great ruling because I don't think that I don't I I am not in favor of a government telling individuals what they can and cannot do. Right. Personally, I right. think that on like as an individual, if I owned a bakery and I said, "Hey, I don't want to serve." you know the LGBT community because that's not something I'm a fan of again this is just spitballing it is not me like endorsing one way or the other it's just me saying it that's fine personally because I don't believe a government should tell individuals what they can and cannot do i agree that being said you know obviously you you've garnered national audiences and stuff like that and so if people want to begin boycotting your bakery because you don't support the LGBT community Fine, then do that. I have no issue with that either. Mm-hmm. If you want to make a stand and stand up for your beliefs, great. That's what I think everyone should be doing. Mm-hmm. If, if you have an opinion and you want to stand behind it, then stand behind it. Just be ready to face the consequences of that. And I'm sure that means that there's going to be tons of you know, out-of-state, very ultra-right-wing people who are going to utilize that bakery then to keep it afloat and support them. Right. But that means then a lot, you know, potentially a lot of local people who are in favor of the LGBT movement might not use that bakery anymore. And at the end of the day, honestly, if you make a great cake that tastes better than everyone else, that's who I'm going to go to, regardless of your political opinion. Okay, right. If you can make me the best cake, that's who I'm going to use. Like if, for example, if like, you know, a car company it was like they made a stance that I don't agree with, but their car was still cheaper, safer and more fuel efficient. That's probably who I'm going to take. Because at the end of the day, I'm trying to save myself money on gas. It's safer for me. That's who I'm going to go with. And I, I try not to dive too deep down into what other people's political opinions are because I'm just trying to help myself. Like, I, I really yeah. just want what's best
0: for me. I, 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 get, I get contentious with people. Like, the, the prime example is Chick fil A. Chick fil A is run by a, a, a Christian family. Who they're closed on Sundays? famously closed on Sundays, um, and they they do they do support a lot of uh, right wing, um, you know, a, against uh, gay rights stuff. Yep. And then the argument is, if you go to Chick Fil A and buy a chicken sandwich, then therefore you are anti gay, anti gay, or or you are at least through, you know, uh, you're supporting a company that is anti gay. It's a transitive property. Right? Yes, exactly. You are, you are you are funding their their. Their, their agenda yep but like i would always push back and say well okay if you are gonna stand on that, a grandstand on that issue you better stop buying nike you better stop you better make sure you're buying clothes that are you know made in the united states or at least in a country that isn't using child labor yep or you are uh, you know you're you're buying products like apple how many how many of us have apple products that are manufactured in china i do i'm a slave (laughs) to i'm a slave i've all i've owned are iphones and i
1: fully intend on you could tell me that the android phone prints gold and i'd probably still go with my iphone because i'm a slave to apple at this point like i i not computers but for my phone it's simple and i get it and that's what i'm used to and again i don't you know people like what they know (laughs) i'm gonna stick with my iphone and that's (laughs)
0: that's, it's, <laughs> it's, that's a, same goes for like 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 disney we both are 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 lovers of disney yeah. but disney really panders to the chinese audience they they edit and censor um a lot of a lot of the depictions that are in their movies to it's an excellent cigar to captivate uh their Chinese audience to get that bigger box office hit. Yeah.
1: But at it, the end of the day, it's all money.
0: It's all Again, money. It's it's all money. So, you know, where, where's the line? Yeah. What about, uh you know, uh, product testing on animals, right? So like, I'm not a vegan or vegetarian by any stretch of the means, but I support the, you know, we probably shouldn't be factory farming at the rate that we are. We should try to figure out a better way to do this system that is not sustainable. But are, should, should we allow like, hair care products to be tested on and burning like hamsters yep like maybe that's not good okay well are you doing the due diligence to research and find out what products that you aren't or you should not be using yeah if you're not but you are going to Chick-fil-A and then you're or or vice versa like where's the line for you I think I think those arguments are such it's like virtue signaling times 10 yep you you do one thing but not the other yep and I, I hate that it's like I I don't I don't think you are actually supporting the anti-gay movement if you're buying a chicken sandwich from Chick-fil-a you can I think you can do both you can have enjoy your fast food and advocate for them to change their stance yep it's difficult it's it's there's more nuance and caveats and I know a lot of people disagree with that statement but
1: yeah some of my best friends are gay if I tell them I'm going to Chick-fil-a they're not going to hate me for it because it's a great sandwich (laughs) right (laughs) like you know, yeah. If I go, if I go to Chick Fil A, like obviously I'm gonna be mad if I'm hungry on Sunday and I want to go Chick Fil A. <laughs> but I'm also not gonna stop going to it because, again, I'm all for what's best for me, right? You know, and that's that might be that might sound selfish, but at the end of the day, I, I feel like everyone is like that. It's you're for whatever, whether it's for you as a person or you as your tribe. You know, yeah. if you know the LGBT community boycotts you know Chick-fil-A fine do that that's fine Mm -hmm. if that means that you have to make certain sacrifices because you enjoy their sandwich or whatever then you have to do that right but the very act of me going to Chick-fil-A does not mean I hate my friends that are gay no at all not at all no that yeah, well, right. But it, because everything becomes politicized nowadays, and with again, like I said, I don't think that we're more polarized than ever. I really don't. I just think that it's it's thrown in our face so much more because of social media and stuff like that. You, you know, I mean, you can scroll on Facebook and see people that are like militantly right wing that are like, "I'm I will support Chick fil A. It's the only fast food chain I go to." And then you can scroll through and see people that are like militantly left that are like, "I will never go to Chick fil A because they don't support gay people." Well, fine that's within your right you can totally do that and i'm fine with that right but i want if, the, if that's what i want at that time that's what i'm gonna go get
0: it also begs the question too well first of all we are all allowed to be selfish yeah like we, we are human beings we have a lot of things in our life that we have to deal with and I, I think being selfish here and there and enjoying something that you know like like enjoying whiskey and cigars like that's that should be okay but like what do you what do you say to the people who are like Part of the LGBT community who go to Chick Fil A, like they they are openly gay and they do it. I know people that do. Like, they, do they think that 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 their agenda is going to win out? No, I think, I think no matter how much money Chick Fil A pumps into whatever the campaign or or whatever, yep. they are they will lose that agenda. They they're just they're just siding on the side of what they what they quoting, think is right, what they're quoting in the Bible. Yeah, and they they are well within their political and and liberty liberty right to do that individual right to do that um it's tough I I, I I understand the the sensitive the sensitivity of like me telling someone who is so anti what chick-fil-a stands for and then me going to say well i enjoy their sandwiches wow i understand that yeah. I, i'm empathetic to it yeah of course and there they i think both of us need to understand not, not not us but both of the the sides need to understand there's nuance to it there's 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 more to it than me just like endorsing something because i'm buying their product
1: at the end of the day everything that you do has so many moving pieces and with social media being what it is you know like paparazzi could take a picture of a politician doing anything and spin it however they want yep. you know they, they really can it's, it's easy to do
0: mm-hmm.
1: i guess that's just like that's a big issue i think because they'll they'll magnify it to way they'll blow it way out of proportion and you know like you know so if you saw like was it bill clinton was famous for enjoying fast food on air force one he would enjoy eating mcdonald's and burger king and stuff like that cool Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that if a politician came along and was like i really enjoy chick-fil-a does that mean that they're anti-lgbt no Mm -hmm. it doesn't no at all yeah especially if, if that but but the media will portray it or not even the media just with social media a person who you know has a large following on social media will push that and be like he's lgbt like no that's not how it is right you know just politics because it's thrown in our face so much more than you know previous historical examples because it it is i think will smith, i believe it was will smith who said that America is not more racist today than it was previously. It's just thrown in our face more with social media. It's recorded. And, yeah, it's recorded. That's what it is. Right. Like it's the exact same with any political anything. You know, if you if you want to push an agenda and be like, oh, this person's anti this or this person's pro this, you should boycott them for that. That doesn't necessarily they might be. They very well might be. Like people might go to Chick-fil-A because it is mm-hmm. anti LGBT. Or they might go to, you know, a different whatever because it's pro this or anti that fine. But that doesn't mean then that if you patron that organization, that you fall in line with everything they believe, you right. know, right. If you, that's, that's a big issue too. And I think that's a whole other podcast that you could do is just because you like something doesn't mean you endorse everything that they believe, you know, exactly. for example, I enjoy a great example is this. I enjoy, uh, listening to metal and stuff like that. Does that mean that when I listen to a metal band, everything that they, like all their lyrics and all of their like stances politically and stuff like that mean that I am for, you know, if I listen to like black metal, for example, and just say like, hey, I like this band because the music's nice. And I like working out to it. Does that mean then that I'm for like burning churches and Satan is, you know, my hero? And stuff? No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that I like listening to that music. Yeah, You know, it just means that I enjoy this cake this cake from this bakery. It just means I enjoyed this chicken sandwich from this company this fast food chain that's all it means yeah
0: you can like it's not mutually exclusive you could Ex-
1: thank you that's that mutually that's exclusive
0: it. it's not mutually exclusive it's like you can you can buy a cake from that baker and also tell that baker that he's an asshole yeah you can do both of those things yeah you can it it, it begs the question too and this is an entire different rabbit hole i mean we've gone down all the rabbit holes but like uh, this will be your longest podcast. Yeah, we might do a part one and part two of this. That's we'll, fine. We'll split it up. No, so we'll just do the Joe Rogan three full hours and then, <laughs> yeah, four bottles of whiskey later. <laughs> no, it, like Bill Cosby. Bill Cosby had the Cosby Show, and all of his all of his uh, comedy records. You know, he he didn't he never you know did the the, yeah. the live TV specials like cause yeah he was before his time. His, yep. but um, are we not allowed to enjoy? the Cosby show anymore can you not laugh at his jokes anymore like that's that's part of what's wrong with the media today
1: is they want to politicize everything to satisfy whatever their base is and you know whether you want to demonize him or idolize him or actually I don't think there's anyone idolizing him but just (laughs) in general like any person that supports one thing or patrons one thing that does not mean that everything that they're patronizing that it doesn't it's mutually exclusive like that's that's the big issue. That's yep. the, that's a huge issue that we have right now, across the country. Because anyone can create a meme with a free app and push it out, and then that person can be, you know, made to look a fool because they believe in X, Y, or Z, and it's that person's right to believe whatever they want. And you know, especially nowadays with social media, like people get doxxed all the time. Like I was scrolling through social media today, and uh, I I actually did see uh, someone. Uh, Get doxxed. I'm not going to go into like specifics of it or anything like that, but like, should you really be, you know, posting someone's address and phone number and stuff like that on social media and stuff like that in an effort to, you know, hurt or inflict some sort of harm or damage, whether it be, you know, just personal mental damage from reading all these comments and stuff like that, or like, physical damage you know in the form of like ruining their in their house their livelihood or anything like that right like that's a that's a that's a huge issue
0: right well i mean that that also kind of goes in the territory of like politicians who i mean obviously there's gaps like what is aleppo with gary johnson yep but uh blackface is a big one and 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 things that have been brought i know there are a lot of uh, female politicians who have been subject to Oh, there's that one college party photo that shows you in a, a scantily clad outfit that, oh, like, obviously you are unprofessional when you were 20, and now you're 45. Why, is it, why does that have any bearing on what you're doing now? It, it really shouldn't,
1: because, I mean, even nowadays, we have a first lady who used to be a model and pose nude for photographs and stuff like that. You can Google that yeah. and find those images online. Does that mean that you need to stop listening to everything she says? No, because you might agree with some of the stuff that she says. You might agree with her point of view. You might, you might not. At the same token,
0: but like, well, it's also a, a testament to like Melania Trump. You, you know, it's it's tough because Melania and 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 Donald have an interesting relationship that I don't want to get into because it's 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 really unique. It's not the same as, uh, President Obama and Michelle. Like they had a very intimate like public you could tell they love, they love each other. They have kids. They're like the family, like nuclear family style, uh, whatever. Same with the Bushes, same with the Clintons. Um, but this is a, a different kind of dynamic that we've never seen. I mean, the age gap is different and it's, yep. it's, it's not normal. It's also his, is it third or fourth wife? Yeah. That's, that's different. But Melania came from a different country. She was a model. She's successful and if anything, whether you agree with her politics or not, which I don't think she really has money politics. It's just no. she's just a first lady for for Donald yeah. Trump. Um, you know, and she has a couple of good good well intentioned campaigns that she's working on, like her Be best campaign that you know may or may not be uh, rolled out as efficiently as it should be, or maybe the, the logo isn't as, as good as it should be. But that's neither here nor there. She there is more depth to people like Melania, whether they be a model or they be someone who had a a past that, you know, isn't what we consider to be the best. I, I don't, I don't know. Like even Justin Trudeau with the blackface, like does that make him racist forever? Maybe he made a horrible decision when he was at that party dressing as, I don't know, was a, a, an Arabic person with a, he did brown face. Yeah. well, he's done everything. He's done
1: everything. I mean, yeah, he, he really has done everything for Halloween costumes. You
0: know, is that bad? I, 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 I'm wearing a Flash Gordon shirt right now. And I also, you know, that uh, last Halloween I dressed as Freddie Mercury. Now Freddie Mercury is not American, and he's also gay. Is there going to be a point in time when that photo comes out of me having dressed as Freddie Mercury, where that is all of a sudden
1: you're appropriating the wrong culture? Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, it's
0: like when in reality, like I'm a giant Queen fan. Yeah, and it it shouldn't it should that one instance should not define you as a person. No, you should not be you
1: should not be damned for stuff that you do. At one point in time, like if, if you if you continuously do it and show no desire to change or no real remorse for it. Right. Sure. Then, you know, let let the crowd do with you what they want. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that you might not have a desire to actually help your constituents or anything like that. That's a at the end of the day, if your goal is to help your constituents, if, if you mean well and you consistently show that you your intentions are to help your base that elected you that's what you're supposed to be doing hopefully successfully honestly you know
0: well actions actions speak louder than words right if you this is this is my this is my argument against biden trump has said some pretty suggestive things when it comes to race does that mean he's racist does, does that mean that he is inherently like think that does he think that 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 any race other than white is subservient to his to his race? No, probably not. No, but can he say things in a more sensitive tone? Can he be less tone deaf? Of course. I, we, we both agree that he is the most ineloquent person to hold office in this modern age.
1: Well, I mean, that's a that's yeah. a you're pushing a tiebreaker there, honestly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah,
0: I mean, Bush had his Bushisms and whatnot, but. Trump has said things that that kind of incite that that mentality of oh boy that's racially charged.
1: He's made inflammatory remarks. Yes. Yeah,
0: inflammatory remarks. But Biden has passed legislation, the the nineteen ninety four crime bill, that has disproportionately affected nonviolent offenders who oftentimes are the, on the lower rungs of socioeconomic status, and also are African American or Hispanic. So. Like prior to the uh, like the 80s and 90s crime bills that came through, uh, I think single motherhood in, in the in the black community was at like a 20%, the lowest it had ever been. After those crime bills happened and more nonviolent offenders, whether it be for like drug charges or, or whatever, that spiked to 70%. So 70% of the black community has a single motherhood problem. And if you have a broken family like that, where a mom with a dad that either fucked off or did something bad or whatever for as much as they should be held accountable for their actions. They also probably shouldn't be going to jail for five to 10 years for nonviolent drug offenses. You know, we can discuss the mandatory minimum of all that, but like that family with three kids, now she's working two or three jobs to, to put food on the table. And those kids are in and out of school, living in a place that's like a ghetto that you can't get out of because public transportation sucks. All these compounding issues, disproportionately affect the black community. And Biden passed legislation that actually had an impact on that. Trump just said some bad things. So what's worse? Like actions speak louder than words sometimes. It's difficult. Yeah. So, I don't know.
1: Yeah, is is rhetoric or action more important?
0: That was my point earlier. Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it's, which one
1: is which one's that's a very philosophical question that there's a billion rabbit holes you can jump down, and there's a you know there's a ton of ways that you can interpret it depending on where you're coming from and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, everyone's coming from, everyone has different experiences. But society as a whole is so quick to just dismiss someone because of you know they don't fit the stereotype they hope for. Mm-hmm. It's a huge issue.
0: Yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because you you want. You want the best person to do, to do the job, but you also want the most effective person to do the job. But what's more effective right now? Someone who's bombastic and says things with, like, I, Trump, for worse or for better, has passed a lot of stuff, and albeit a lot of executive orders that might be constitutionally in question. But you put Biden in there with a lot of his handicaps and issues. You know, how do we handle that? I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, It's tough. But I digress. Obviously, I mean, we could we could go for hours and hours. Um, at some
1: point, you need to do a podcast from this one that's based on whether or not the Constitution is a living document or it's as the Constitution was intended at the time. That has to be a podcast that you do at some point. It doesn't have to be with me, <laughs> but you have to do it with someone because we discussed that pretty heavily. It's a very philosophical question that I don't know if there's a right or a wrong answer to it, you know? Right. So I think at some point you have to find someone that's willing to talk to you about that. That's a huge question.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think, and I think that matters for a lot of what we're talking about because the Constitution is designed to keep the federal government, you know, at bay for our everyday lives. Yep. So, yeah, I'll I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> Upcoming. Upcoming. I, I have no plans, but um, I'll, it's there are a lot of caveats and nuance to a lot of these issues. And I think the point being is that sometimes we stress priority on things that shouldn't, that doesn't deserve that priority, but because it's, it's popular to watch on YouTube or to watch on social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, we find ourselves pigeonholed into only worrying about what Trump says or what Biden says. It's like, I, you know what, maybe there's even a hot take that 2020's election doesn't matter. It does not matter. It has no bearing on anything like has your life changed because of twenty 2016 election in in a, in a significant like palpable way who knows honestly who right. knows it might you might find out 20 years from now yeah so it's tough but anyway um thanks for thanks for talking to me about this yeah i mean i <laughs> we probably should wrap it up before we go in uh
1: yeah well i mean we're not going to hit the 3 hour mark and <laughs> you know
0: compete with joe rogan but this is a great conversation there'll be time for that